0: Good evening and welcome once again to the League One podcast from Look Sports Media. I'm your host, Holly Nixon, and I'm joined by three co-hosts whose teams have contrasting fortunes this weekend, a 1-0 win, a narrow 3-2 defeat, and a 3-0 humbling amongst us. <laughs> Up first is Sam. How was your weekend, mate?
2: Uh, it, was, it was good, thank you. Um, other than, I, I would say the football result was one that what I expected going into the game. I didn't expect to beat Oxford United, who, one of the league's highest scorers, played some fantastic football and... I know they just lost liam manning but they'd still have his principles of play they'd still have had the idea of how they were going to play against us in the first place only leaving i think it was on the tuesday um we were three nil down after 48 minutes i thought we had the better of the first 30 minutes um but ruben rodriguez doing what ruben rodriguez does with his dancing feet one was a really scrappy goal and one was a really nice finish from the edge of the box um but we did show some fight and some character um we scored a really good goal from some rules a bit of a deflection for the first goal. And then we hit the post immediately after for a Dan Happy header. But I went away not too disappointed. And um, the overall reaction from our fans was, oh my God, the world's ending. Um, but I was not, di- I went away from that game thinking, yeah, we, we haven't done too badly against one of the better teams in this division.
0: That's weird, that. that's a, quite similar to what my viewpoint was when they came and beat us, that very much <laughs> they're a very good side. Don't mind losing there. We've done ourselves all right.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: excellent. Right, well, we've also got Seb with us, whose team were thumped 3 0 at Derby. Sounds like Warren's finally got the Rams firing, Seb.
3: Yeah, um, Derby actually played pretty well. Uh, although we we sort of had, had the, the better possession in, in the first 30 minutes for 30, 35, 40 minutes, uh, and then uh, a sloppy penalty given away uh, just before the first half, and then two more goals followed that. Uh, we just sort of once they had the first goal, there was no stopping Derby uh, and we didn't have any sort of uh, answers to to the questions they were giving us. Um, I knew it'd be a tight game, I knew it'd be end-to-end, but I didn't quite expect a 3-0 loss uh, and I was one of the unfortunate ones to be there uh, and win a witness set in person, <laughs> which made it even worse. Uh, and yeah, it, it wasn't great, but uh, we'll move on. We've got the FA Cup game at Horsham, which I'm hoping we can get some out of, but yeah, a bad day at the office, but uh, it means for Derby, sort of, they they climb uh, level on points with us. Uh, I think they're seventh and we're sixth. So, a good win for Derby, if you like, but uh, sort of, they're on our tails a bit. So, we need to up the game. Yeah, I was yeah, saying, I think... sorry,
1: because um, I was saying about Horsham, is that they've got to play you on Tuesday night, and the game before they play you, they lost like 3 0 to hashtag United at home. It's a bit of a weird, it... weird analogy. They, they drew with a, with a League One side, but they beat a side that's been made by a YouTuber and his mates. It's quite funny. I like it. it yeah. I did find that quite amusing.
0: It's um, well, interesting, actually, like you said, said that League One's kind of truncated a little bit, hasn't it? We kind of ended up with most of those big sides with kind of Stevenage um, chucked in there as well, who are now making up the top eight or so. Um, and it's starting to look very much like how the bookmakers have priced it up, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, just just on Derby, sort of, we were speaking just a few weeks ago that, that perhaps Paul Paul Warren's job what was in in danger, but uh, they picked up a couple of results and and now are just sort of uh, pecking at the end, end of the playoff uh, positions, if you like, and and you know if if they were to pick up a couple of wins on the bounce, then they'd be able to sort of move, move themselves up high, higher up the league. But as you said, in terms of the top eight, that. Except Stevenage, sorry, sorry, Ollie and uh, and Owen as well. But except Stevenage, sort of, they're they're they'd what you consider a baron charter, perhaps. They're they're what you consider sort of the big teams in 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 League One, um, sort of creating almost like a mini league, if you like, uh, in in that top eight. Um, but it's all very very close in that top eight, and and people can easily drop out of the playoff spots, and people can easily sort of catch. Uh, Bolton, Oxford, Portsmouth as well. Portsmouth, maybe not so much, but you know, one one result does changed things massively, 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 and it certainly did that for Derby at the weekend. Yeah, nice to see them back on the track, um, and I'm sure a result that warm will definitely have welcomed.
0: Well, last but not not least, we have got our very own TikTok sensation, Stevenish <laughs> fan
1: Owen is with us once again. Did you make the short trip to Buckinghamshire? Owen? Yeah, I did. Uh, you could see it on the on the vlog here on TikTok at Look Sports Media. But yeah, it was a, it was a good it was a all right, performance i think first half we were very good and i think i think um we got the result we got that goal near the end of the first half which was probably it was the was it the longest game of football this season at least wasn't it? It, it it was started at three o'clock and didn't get out the ground to half past five so uh it wasn't it was a sort of stop scrappy game but we got the job done one nil and uh into fifth place at the moment. so it's been pretty good
3: oh we, yeah. we got your your TikTok's proven a little bit of a sensation, you know. I feel privileged to be uh, to be on this podcast with you at the moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's done really well. It's surprising, but uh, I love it, man. And um, it's really good to see because this is what I do anyway. I, I love to talk about football and and enjoy it, and and vlogging is always sensational. So I'm, I'm I'm really happy and um, it's happy we're doing it when we're actually playing well for once.
0: So, interesting you mentioned the length of the game. I saw a table today from The Athletic that had the longest eight games of the season in the top four tiers of English football um, so far. Guess how many games featured Stevenage in that top eight?
1: I think I know, so I'll leave it to these two. I'll
0: <laughs> go five of the top eight. I'll go I'll go four. It was four, but those four were also four of the top five games. Um I think wow. somewhere, somewhere in there that Steve Evans fitness is showing nicely because <laughs> they've actually won all four of those games without conceding, despite their length. So, yeah, nice, yeah. N- nice, nice, nice stat. Um, we start, as always, with a random question to get to know the guys slightly better. And what I want to know this week is the following. What position would you play on a football pitch, Gents? Now, this is your chance to relive some former glories and go about your achievements as a used player. Well, I'm sure we all had trials, and we would have all made it pro without those career-ending injuries we
1: suffered. Yeah, uh, yeah. any any uh, any offerings for us? Yeah, I was I was that uh, at the start. I started as a goalkeeper when I was very young because um, my dad managed me for a lot of my career or well, career, but a lot of my time when career. I was playing much younger. Career, <laughs> career, my, my lower league career. <laughs> uh, but I start, <laughs> I started in goal. Um, but then there was a guy who, who um, a good friend of mine. Uh, was much better than me in goal. Um, he ended up at the end playing for district at one point. So much better than me. So I went outfield and uh, I played, I played in defence, midfield striker, a bit of an all rounder as you say, but I, I love playing up front. And um, yeah, my high point was, was those end of season tournaments um, that you play sometimes after, after a league season. And it was semi-finals. And I always practiced at home because I had like a garden at home, my penalties. And I used to toe poke it because that's how I get the most power. Um, my dad literally he would he would at tournaments bring me on about a minute to go if there's a penalty shootout and I'll take that fifth penalty if I and then and it was the semi finals and if we scored that penalty went through and everyone thought I'd miss, but no one knew I'd trained a lot of penalties at home. I toe poked into the top corner and everyone was so surprised, except my dad, because he knew I score. I just went absolutely mental. But that's that's the high point, and we won that tournament in the end. So yeah, that's definitely the high point of my career when I was about nine. Please-
3: but so you're yeah. one of those that just grabs all the headlines just by scoring one
0: penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting we've got a manager's son in the chat as well. I don't know, don't know what, what our mm. thoughts are on Ryan's.
1: <laughs> 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 Pretty more harsh on me, though, than the others. Because there's some managers that uh, ooh, if have a son will be so like lenient, but mine was very harsh on me and knew, knew I had to work hard. But yeah, so it's, always, it's always a difference between those guys.
2: Mine was very similar. to. I mean, I started off in goal during school. Um, it got to about year 10. Um, and then I realised I was probably too small and not bulky enough to play in goal. So that then dissipated. Um, didn't play for about seven years. And then for two years, we played for a Sunday league team, like a brand spanking new one. Um, and I played centre midfield. I scored one goal in my time. And it was a tap-in from about half a yard out.
0: And, <laughs> and <laughs> they all up. So, it's like I scored
2: from 40 yards, sprinting off um i don't really understand how i didn't get books playing it must be because it's sunday league and my most famous moment is when a team broke through our like they played one through ball through our entire team and the skizer is bearing down on our two center halves and i've just killed him on the halfway line she's a tackle from behind (laughs) got up just run off and the referees like just Called me over and gone. Can't do that. Just calm, just calm down. And yeah. I didn't get booked. Um. <laughs> and then the second season, I ruined my ankle, so I have not played since. And I was an assistant coach for a, a year. So that that was probably <laughs> yeah. the most fun part, to be honest, rather than playing, because we always lost.
3: Did, did Sam, anyone? They're no, gone. Sam, if you were to compare your sort of midfield uh, performances, who who Lee Catamal most is definitely.
2: definitely. <laughs> Lee Catamal yeah. most definitely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was saying did anyone see the, the clip of that like Sunday League goal but someone's hit a scorpion from about 20 yards out or something?
0: Yeah
2: I court, did
3: not
1: yeah it? I did not realize that's that's the that's in a hit that's in a place near me or me like in Stephen like, that's my local side it's nearby I was a bit, I just saw the game I was like Jesus what a goal and then my local newspaper said oh this happened in here in Steven it's like what
3: the hell but yeah <laughs> How about that's um
1: uh, uh, uh
3: glories uh no I seem to've been joined by the podcast by sort of two professional footballers here uh, my <laughs> my uh, my credits don't go as high as Owen or Sam uh sort of they don't they don't stretch uh, as far as sort of just just a, a bit of a kickabout in in the garden with, with with family but my dream position would be to play right wing back you know you can exploit down that ring down the wing even you know and join up with all the attacks when you're defending you've got some responsibility but not too much you know. Uh, he, as long as the tracking you might be fine but you know you can join in with all the attacks um, it would be quite tiring though so maybe I wouldn't be able to quite last 90 minutes but uh, just joining in on that attack you know always being that far post option for the for the ball into the box uh, just to tap in um, yeah that, that would be my dream role uh, again I, I don't think I've got the fitness for it but that would be the dream uh, I played a, a few times in that, didn't really enjoy it and so I think right, right wing back would probably be my position of choice Gary Neville would be proud of you
0: Somebody wants to be a right wing back.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Back, back, wing back, not right back. Just so I can sort of adventure.
0: <laughs> You've actually been behind me, so I, I was I was a right winger, um, and I well I grew up in the uh, the David Beckham era where everyone's in predator manias and everyone thinks they can just absolutely spray fifty yard passes, and so I was just crossing from deep and diagonal balls, even when they weren't necessary. Um, but I like, played at an OK level, but absolutely hated a tackle on a challenge. <laughs> if, there was, if there was anything physical there to be won, I
3: yeah,
0: can't count. Yeah, those. Not, not,
3: not a <laughs> looks, looks like I'm joined by three professional footballers then, doesn't it? just leaves me now, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, I think, I think uh, yeah, right, right wing back would be. But I would, I would like to sort of uh, be the striker, um, you know, you get you get all the all the glory. Sometimes it's just just poking him from two yards, and yet you know all the fans are singing your name. Uh, so that would be nice. But uh right wing back, you could just sort of venture up and down, up and down the touch line.
1: Yeah, I see. I think I scored a hat trick once in in when I was playing when I was younger, and every goal was from one yard out. <laughs> a Gary Lineker hat trick.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I said, they all count. But yeah, you sort of you, the striker. You know, it's a, it's the best job in football. Yeah. You, you take all the headlines uh, and whatnot. Uh, we're sort of a keeper. If you make one mistake, you know that that's 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 it basically. A Striker, if you miss one a few minutes later, there'll be another chance for you. So a striker, just just for all the glory as well. Well, that is the team for this week. Uh, a slightly different
0: episode, uh, as rather than go through each of the league games we normally do, we're still going to cover some of the bigger results from the weekend in the third tier, but we'll be focusing more on some of the week's big talking points too. As always, to keep up with with all things EFL, don't forget to give us a follow on X or Twitter. You can find us by searching for at Look Sports Media. But without further ado, we can jump into the first topic and one I've been itching to talk about since Saturday. um, Events at Wickham versus Stevenage this weekend. Now, it is, of course, worth mentioning um, that on the pitch, Stevenage secured excellent three points from this. um, Three points that were well-deserved and that kept them in the top five. And yeah, balance of play, absolutely the right result. Um, Wickham managing just four shots all game with none on target, despite being behind from the 59th minute, which was incredibly still in the first half. Um, I actually want to talk about some issues away from the pitch, though, um, most notably in the stands. Now, the game was marred by two major injuries to Wickham players. A first half leg injury for Brandon Hanlon, which came after a relatively innocuous clash with Carpio Gianni, that actually resulted in a Stevenage free kick. And then a clash of heads in the chair boys box, which saw Luke Leahy come off badly, landing face down and unconscious. You could tell straight away that it was serious. Um, as he didn't move at all. And players from both sides frantically waved on physios with panic looked on their faces. And it was just one of those where you knew instantly um, that, yeah, that something serious had happened. What ensued was a good 20 minutes of really worrying scenes. Um, with, with, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say we're probably talking Ericsson at the World Cup vibes. Um, We've got Wickham players forming a huddle around Leahy while he received treatment um, and his family were actually brought down to pitch side from the Wickham stands and were being consoled by teammates as well. So um, I'm not entirely sure what the injury was. There's been talk of him having seizures, which I haven't seen confirmed anywhere, but it was pretty scary stuff. I'm very pleased to um, say that Wickham tweeted yesterday um, that he has left hospital. Um, I'm not sure entirely what the injury was, but um, seems to be on the mend. In those 20 minutes, though, uh, I have to say, I have never been more embarrassed to be a Stevenish fan. Now, it is worth noting that at the same time as he went down, there was a tangle between the Wiccan goalkeeper and Jamie Reed, which incensed the Borough fans, and they obviously felt that the keeper should have been sent off. Now, in the moment, I can see why fans were taken by that, but it was immediately apparent, like I said, that this issue just massively powered as to what was going on with Leahy. To be really frank... When an injury is that serious, I don't particularly care if four and players deserve to be sent off. It's just not as important um, and something to clearly bigger than football. The Steamage fans spent the next 20 minutes chanting off, off, off at the keeper um, and booing as the referee understandably took no action with the, with the injury that was on the pitch. There's claims all over Twitter that those chants were directed at that, that incident and not Lee Hee. But I'll be honest, if you can't see that booing while a player who could well be in a life-threatening situation is insensitive and disrespectful, I'm not really sure what's wrong with you. The majority of Seamish fans did clap Leahy off as he left the field, but the whole thing was seriously unsavoury. It clearly upset Wiccan players who were gesturing gesturing at the Seamish fans to stop. That then just led to more and more abuse of those players. Um, It just painted our club in a really poor light. And thinking back on it, I'm actually a bit disappointed that none of our players or management team at the time... Just approach the Stevenage stand and just try to calm the situation down because it was very obvious that that was not helping the situation at all. Now I mean, obviously so you were there too. I mean, I yeah. seem to be in the minority amongst Borough fans with this view. What, what what did you make of it?
1: Well, well it was disgusting from our fans. It, it it just was like you could see a players there that could be in a situation where he could pass away. Like like you said, like an Ericsson situation. We didn't know what the hell was going on. And you're trying to gesture to a to a player to be sent off. In those points, I don't give a crap about the result or how or someone might have, should have been given a sent off. I'm hoping the player's okay. And we're all and I mean some of our fans were gesturing towards sending off. Just just try just stay silent and just hope that the guy is okay. We've had this a lot recently, right? A couple of years ago when we were that's to say we were rubbish, right? There was none of this. It seems to be as we've played well, we've got a lot of casual, a lot of people that haven't been before, and act like idiots. It's happened the last couple of weeks, last year with the Bradford game. One of our players came on the pitch and he clocked Andy Cook. Even now, our players, our fans are fighting stewards. That happened. That's I've seen that on numerous occasions this season. Our fans are fighting stewards, and then it's the same on on Saturday. We need to, we need to fix this because. Otherwise, we've been known as a team that's, that are known to have bad fans. Everyone has bad fans, right? Most people, most football clubs do. But we've been shown the long light as a bad team because of these amount of people that weren't there two years ago. And if we stop playing bad, they won't be there anymore. It, it, it just paints a bad light on our club. And, and I hope this stops because, yeah, it'll just get even worse.
0: Yeah, I, I have to say... That is a huge bugbear of mine in football. Just, I mean, I don't really have no word for it other than Neanderthals just following football and shouting things and just just, just behaving so inappropriately and just kind of not being challenged on that and not being turfed now. For me, you know, that's that's not just a Stevens like, that that's a football issue and it's it's a cultural thing within football, but it just needs addressing, doesn't it? You know, we, we seem to have this culture of, you know, oh you know, I've paid my money, I'll say what I want. And I, I just, you know. Obviously, like you say, if you put any large proportion of people in any area, in any sport or any part of the country, you're going to attract some idiots. But for me, that needs calling out more. I think if more people in that situation who are doing that, rather than, you know, 100 people surrounding them, joining in with them, because I think it's OK, you know, have the ball stand up and challenge that and kind of say, actually, it's out of order. Um, and, you yeah, know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that you kind of saw it the same way, really, because... Yeah, it did I did, did come away questioning it, and the, the number of kind of tweets I've seen from Seamish fans are kind of making light of the situation, and a lot of them seem to be saying, "Oh well, you know, no one died; it's all right; it's just a laugh." And come on, like you
1: yeah. you have
0: you have to be better than that, don't you? I, yeah, yeah I, I, I was embarrassed by it.
1: I I, just, I always put in the situation: what if you did die? With what happened there, and then we've been painted as the people that have mocked a person's death. How will that look on us? But we didn't know what the situation was. He could have died. Those situations could because ahead a clash, he could have bit. He could have swallowed his own tongue. He could have had a fractured skull. You don't know what's going to happen. It's ridiculous what our what what our fans have done. And I like I said, if we need to fix it now, otherwise we might these fans might go over the edge, and the club will get sanctions because of it. I think that's, a lot of people forget.
2: A lot of people forget that these football players are just people with families and regular lives as well uh, just because they earn decent money people forget that they have a life outside of football it's not just about the 90 minutes on the pitch as well
0: yeah well just because yeah. Yeah, just they're wearing a different shirt shirt to your team I, I honestly like yeah don't get me wrong it's, it is that tribalism that makes football the, the incredible thing it is but there has to be a line right you know that you know, you have to have some compassion just for people. And I just I yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe the responses and the things I've mentioned there are the are, are the ones that are potentially you can argue they were you know they were incensed by the issue. There were some hideous things being shouted that I wouldn't even mention here. Um yeah. So, yeah, it's just, just, just some really poor taste. And, and I, I think I saw um Farino, the Wickham centre-back, had actually responded to one of the... Um, well, somebody um, claiming to be a Steve Mitch fan on Twitter uh, who tweeted something pretty obscene about it. And, you know, again, when, when players happen to call people out on social media about that, what are we doing? Like, don't get it.
1: No, don't either.
0: Well, let's move on. Uh, and In other injury-related news, um, Portsmouth confirmed midweek that centre-back Regan Paul will miss the remainder of the season with a torn ACL sustained in last weekend's FA Cup defeat Chesterfield. Their first game without him saw them held to a 2-2 draw with Charlton in an entertaining game. Um, having conceded just 10 goals in the last 15 league games before his injury, how big a problem do we think his absence might be for senior Massive. I think it would Mass-
2: be yeah massive yeah so it's <laughs> not just about his um defensive ability it's about his passing range as well the way portsmouth play the way he can pick a pass into the midfield into the into the wing into the wing back when they go high it's yeah not just his defense uh, defensive and i think portsmouth fans might question his team selection in the fa cup is it a priority for them would they prioritize i think we discussed it i think it was last week or yeah. the fa cup show would portsmouth fans either get promoted or Have a little cut run, and Regan Paul I think is crucial to them actually getting out of the league. So it'll be interesting what happens now. I know they've signed a winger today and Josh Martin, um, but that doesn't fix their centre back issue.
3: No, I don't. And we had him
2: on trial in the summer,
3: and he was rubbish. We we had him uh, we had him at Barnsley last season, and was also rubbish. So, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, a massive a Regan Paul massive loss for for Pompey. Obviously, currently sitting top. Um, the gap between them and Oxford is only one point, as as is the gap between them and Bolton. Uh, Peterborough is only five points. Um, so, it's a massive miss. In terms of sort of pool so far this season, uh, some stats, averages 4.4 4 clearances per game, averages one tackle, 1. 1.2 interceptions per game. You know, they're sort of uh, some great numbers for, for, for a defender uh, who, who has been solid so far this season. Uh, and it's it's a real shame for Portsmouth that... They've lost their best defender for the rest of the season. Yeah. i think, I think
0: thinking of so. Sean Raggett who came in in, uh, in uh, on Saturday to partner Sean. I mean, is that a strong enough centre-back partnership to maintain that assault towards promotion? No. Raggett played the
2: game in the pizza trophy against us and got sent off after 11 minutes and then obviously played at the weekend. And according to Football, had an incredibly poor game. He only got a 6.4 rating.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Sean Raggett, I've seen the only see, only time I've ever seen him good was that FA Cup, Roman Lincoln. Um, yeah, and and yeah, because I, 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 he didn't he get after that, he got picked up by by Norwich, um, mm-hmm. and then he didn't impress, so he so he's a so he went obviously he's now Portsmouth and he's sort of second choice centre back. But yeah, I think in January they have to go and sign someone uh, a good centre back um, because otherwise you never you never know because how tight that league run race is. Yeah, you're five points away from fourth. Uh, fourth place at the moment um, but you lose a couple of games Portsmouth haven't lost this season but you lose on a bit of a run, you go on a bit of a losing run sorry, you're, you're right down tumbling to that sort of edge edge of the playoff scenario and you might fall down like, Portsmouth can't have this, this was like the season they could go up right and they've had those seasons where they've just not been able to they need to get out of this division because they're such a big club, the, the club that doesn't deserve to be in this division and if they continue to be in this division it will just, like I said some, I think it's at Michael Isner who owns Portsmouth. He might not want to invest in the club if the club doesn't get up.
2: It's been a and common theme for Portsmouth, hasn't it? They start off the season quite well, fall yeah. away, have a little mini revival, and then they kind of just get a bit stuck.
0: Yeah, I don't like, well, like we kind of said, really, the fact that it's bunching up this season, and the fact that despite that, what seems on paper a very, very strong start, to only be a point clear of dropping back into the playoffs, you know, it shows you that. It don't, it's not going to take much, you know. There, there are. Whilst we have identified a few times, it's not the strongest league in the world. There are a good six to eight sides in there who, the minute they do slip up, are going to be looking to capitalise on that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to pick up on, on sort of what what was said about um, Sean Raggett. I, um, a bit like you, to sort of I, I, I know him mostly from that FA Cup run with with Lincoln. Um, I do still think he's a solid uh, sort of defensive option. Uh, for Portsmouth to have albeit maybe he's not a sort of uh it wouldn't be first choice, but certainly squad players certainly um quite experienced uh, compared to some uh, some of the players that that are in that Pompey side and um, and I think a sort of a player like him uh, his experience you know he's been been around 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 for quite a while um he he's a good player to have um, and a good player to to have come into this side uh, that you know the morale might not might be a little bit low just because they've they've lost their player. He's sort of an experienced player that, that can come in and sort of um, re-energize that 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 side if you like. Sort of refocus the minds. You know, they're top of League One. That they they'll want to stay there for as long as possible. And so having that experienced head come in and sort of just calm calm uh, the team down, settle, settle settle any nerves that they might have been there after after the pool injury. Um, but but equally as well. They could do with another option as well. Uh, as, as good, good as he is, um, they do uh, need another sort of strong, solid centre back option. Um, but I think for the short term, uh, Sean Maguire is definitely a good stop gap to have. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't
0: think there's any questions about him defence in the other. I think I, probably kind of what Sam was touching on is that I think probably the word I would use in that capacity is he's solid but possibly a bit limited in terms of limitations with the ball at his feet, which you know, as we've said, Regan Paul does give you in droves. So. You know, if you are going to be playing that from the back, then you know perhaps that's when they do need to dip in. But yeah, it's totally brilliant. You know, like you, you couldn't wish for, it, for for a more sort of solid, and more experienced, and a, and a good leader coming into that side. Um, just, just be just be interesting to see whether it impacts the style of play at all, um, and kind of what happens um, with with them going forward. Well, having mentioned that two two draw, let's quickly cover some of the other big games of the weekend. Um, Owen, you watched Bolton's Lancashire derby with Blackpool.
1: Yeah, so obviously a fierce derby between these two, and one that was at one point uh, obviously in the championship, uh, championship one in the past, but now it's a league one game. And, and Bolton, who obviously third in the league at the moment, they they started the second best really. Bradwood had a, had, a, had a good chance in the first half, even early on with a with a great stroke from canker Dembele that just went past the post. But, but they're very strong for the first sort of exchanges. But Bolton uh, sort of grew into the game and they had a couple of great chances until 20 minutes or so from time. Uh, Brilliant strikes, uh, smashing strike from uh, Thompson. Obviously he's a former Blackpool player. So he's taking a little bit of a dagger and a bit of revenge from him and uh, from about 20 yards and uh, they hanged on and they stay third at 11 on points to Oxford. inevitably, loved that one. Uh, Obviously former former Blackpool player. And um, I think think I'm right in saying he got them up to the Premier League at one point. I think it was part of that side that was in the Premier League. So uh, it'd be pretty sweet for him and uh, on their promotion for promotion this year.
0: Yeah, they've now won nine of their last 11 games in all competitions and five in a row in the league. So they're one point off top, like you say, and making anyone who saw this as a two horse race promotion look very silly. They've got Exeter next, who are looking horrendous. And then they have back to back trips to Oxford and Pompey. What an end to November that is going to be.
1: Yeah, I think so. that will be a great so game to watch. Great two games to watch. Yeah. And I'm I think that... Sky use their brain. Yeah, they
2: use their brain and put one of them on TV potentially because they kind of just neglect League One and League Two.
1: I don't Which think they have. I think they've had a look and I think they've announced their games. And I presume I think I had a look and during the Christmas break, I think there's one game in the festive Brilliant. period. As usual, it, it's how it works. And, and that's why next year is going to be interesting with a new TV deal. But mm. um, yeah, can't wait for Colo away on the 27th of December at 7.45, But you know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um but yeah, I think I think that it's gonna be a tough couple of games, but Bolton have looked like they're a great side. Dion Childs is is scoring the goals that he has been recently and, and he's up there for the top scoring list, like we said last week. And I think if they can keep him firing and keep him fit, they should be in that promotion race.
0: Yeah, excellent. To see three teams up there. Uh they're joining Oxford and Pompey and making it into a nice little promotion race. Well, we need to go for an ad break now. We'll be back in a few minutes to cover the rest of the League One games and also have a look at some other big talking points from the weekend.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the League One podcast
0: with Look Sports Media We've just finished off having a good chat about the Bolton Blackpool derby, so it only makes sense to jump to another local derby, which is in the early kickoff on Saturday, as promotion hopefuls Peterborough took on Cambridge United. How was this one,
3: said? Yeah, as you said, it was the Cambridge derby between the two sides uh, in the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday, and it was a tale of two Peterborough wingers, um, Efron Mason Clark and Poku, as well, uh, both players. Got two goals. Poku even got a bonus assist as well uh, to make it 4 0. And then uh, it was added to the tally. Uh, it was an uncle by Bennett to make sure that Peterborough uh, won 5 0 in the local derby. Uh, assist coming from uh, obviously you mentioned Poku, Jones, and Randall as well. Um, and yeah, Mason Clark, Poku impressing. Uh, I think an all round solid display. For peterborough uh, cambridge uh just clearly just worked up for the fight in the derby uh, and uh um 15th in the league peterborough meanwhile are fourth so just four points off uh, bolton and oxford um yeah they battered uh cambridge in in the derby here
2: Peterborough yeah. are a very interesting team because they obviously left johnson clark Harris on the bench who probably will i expect to leave in january um and if you're a if they had a fantasy football for League One, you'd probably have Poku and Mason Clark in there, guaranteed goals, guaranteed assists, and they're. Yeah. I think they're one of the league's highest scorers now, and considering Cambridge had only, I think they'd only exceed fifteen goals, which is about one per game. To go and score five against them is mightily, mightily impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Cambridge are an interesting one. I think you know it's obviously never nice to lose a derby game, but to come away from it having been done by five is obviously going to take some getting, some getting over. After a good start to the season, they've now just they've won just one league game since September the fifth. Um, they always, they sit fifteenth, only four points off the drop zone. I mean, do we do we think they potentially get sucked into so the ball stay up?
1: I think so. I, I, mm. I Cambridge did the set. Well, Cambridge were woeful last year, and they stayed, stayed up just. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get sucked in there because yeah we Cambridge look like when well, we played them uh, in early August they look pretty good they look high in confidence they look good and they we we beat them obviously sort of burst their bubble a little bit um they have sort of been on freefall recently and I, I know Mark Bonner's been in charge for a couple of years um but if he doesn't buck his ideas up he, he might be on that chopping block again um. Obviously, they stayed up last year by the skin of their teeth and they were quite to me, quite lucky to stay up. They were quite lucky MK Dons were as bad as they were. Um, but I, I think they might stay up this year just because I think there's so many teams with worse financial records and worse teams. Um, but they need to put their ideas up because I wouldn't be surprised to get sucked back into League Two in the next couple of years. Yeah, we're yeah, looking I th- at... I think,
3: that, uh, oh, sorry, Seth, go on. No, uh, you call, go Go on,
1: um, if we're looking at stats for
2: Cambridge, in terms of expected goals, they're 19th. Their big chances missed, they've missed 11, um, which is really, really low. Big chances created, they've only created 13. Um, shots on target per match, they're 19th. Average possession, they're 19th. Um, interceptions per match, they're last. XG conceded their mid-table. Um, so they're not... But they've
3: got the most clean sheets in the league, along with Stevenage, so... Yeah, I think I think Cambridge, we're, we're very lucky, as I always sort of said there, uh, last year to avoid it and uh, I think at the start of the season they would have been sort totally of people's first pick to to go straight down this year um, so I think their start sort of uh, surprised quite a lot of people and then sort of over time they have seemed to faded sort of uh, in terms of results and league position sort of faded down um, and it's the first time they've lost uh, well they've, they've conceded five uh, since 1972 against Peterborough Um which is, which is not, a, not a good stat to hold. But, um, yeah, Cambridge would be a concern for me in that they are sort of just a free-falling down the league. Uh, they'd, they'd hope to pick up a, a couple of good results in the next couple of matches. Well, talking of sides who are down
0: there, to round up the weekend's action, Sam oversaw basement sign Reading's trip to Goldshire Shrewsbury. What happened here, mate?
2: Um, so, yeah, it was a battle of two terribly out-of-form teams, two teams that don't score goals, two teams that can't buy a win. So it was actually Reading that took the lead early on. Um, A David Button long goal kick bounced over uh, Cheney Dunkley at the back and uh, Sam Smith got his second in two league games. Uh, Reading then took a uh, 2-0 lead across into the box and Dominic Ballard goes up for a header, one of the smallest players on the pitch, up with Marco Morosi. Marco Morosi kind of flaps at the ball and Dominic Ballard heads home. Um... Events Shrewsbury fought back and made it two one. Um, some really really poor defending from I think it was Tyler Binden trying to shield the ball out of play. Tom Bayless gets in behind and just, it's a really really tidy finish from Tom Bayless for his second of the season. Um, Shrewsbury then made it level with a header from Dunkley from a set piece, and then they finished it off in the ninety sixth minute I believe the second goal in injury time in a second phase of a set piece um, with another sort of if you're Poor, poor bit of defending uh, from Reading to send the Shrewsbury fans wild. Um, it's uh, no win in ten for Reading since the no win since the sixteenth of September, and considering Shrewsbury before this game had scored seven league goals, to score three is uh, quite embarrassing for poor old Reading.
0: Yeah, I was just yeah. about to say that I've I've highlighted Reading's defensive struggles I think on most shows this week, and you, you know, you, just when you think okay, we're going to come up against a side who don't score many. You know they've, they've scored you know nearly fifty percent of the goals they've managed for the rest of the entire season. They're in one game against them. That these say that then are defending for that first goal from Bindon, it's it's just naive, isn't it? It's yeah, that, that experience we've always spoken about? I think Reading fans that I know have kind of said that he, he he's looked very very promising. But the problem is there. You know, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it, on, on young no. shoulders? Um, and it's just just not that um yeah, that, Is there any way back for them? Do you just think they're gone?
1: I think they're gone. It's gonna like take saying. a miracle. It's gonna take a miracle. I think it's gonna take them a West Brom style escape. Yeah. yeah, I think it's an experience, really. Like to that, like you said on Saturday, there were two two one up going into added time. Team teams teams that have that experience would know how to to sort of survive it, maybe go to the corner to see the game out, but they haven't got that experience in their side and it cost them, I think, on Saturday, and yeah, I think they're doomed. I because I don't know, has there been any update on how the process is going to find a buyer? Has there been any update at all? Or mm, no, not heard anything, it's all gone very, 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 very quiet. Hopefully, it means it's going quite means someone's looking to buy the club. Let's hope that mm. that happens, but yeah, I, I think I think it's more likely going to be a relegation, a building job for League Two next year. Um, which Have think, they got a point seduction for next year as well. I don't know that. One? I think they they probably do have suspended one, but yeah, like I said, I think if they if there's nothing about their admin because they've they filed a winding up petition last week, didn't they? So I think if they get entered into administration again, I think I think that's an eight point deduction.
0: It's uh, interesting you mentioned the uh, 90th minute goals there. Those goals now, Reading have conceded seven goals in the 90th minute and beyond this season, which again is probably all the evidence you need for the fact that you need that experience that you're like late on in games. You just, you, just you just can't be throwing away the number of points that late on. It's
2: yeah. probably down to quite an inexperienced ex- manager as well, really. He's only really had a very limited time at Southampton. And I'll use Steve Evans as an example. Stephen, like you said earlier, Ollie, in terms of Stevenage in uh, their longevity in games, they don't ever seem to lose in injury time. And that comes down to a, probably the mental side of the game as well, Evans is probably very big on that, gets his team's fit, well-organised, always hard in training and I think it might be down the experience of the manager as well as the actual squad.
1: Yeah, I think also we were talking about Shrewsby, right? We were talking about them a couple weeks ago where they have that nap scoring late, it again. That might not score many this year, but when they have scored, they've, they've counted, they've been important and they've been late where they can't be really hit back again. So I think Shrewsby, if they can keep themselves up like this, I think they will be able to stay up this year. I think, they won't have the budget, but I think they've got the the the, the chances to say up.
0: Yeah, I agree. At the risk of this being a very Steve Midge-heavy episode, uh, an interesting story that's broken today is that Steve Midge manager Steve Evans has asked his chairman Phil Wallace for permission to miss tomorrow night's LDB Vans Papa John's whatever it's called now game against Crystal Palace Under on Twenty Ones to instead go and watch the FA Cup replay between Burton and Port Isle. Uh, with his side facing the winners in round two, so it appears that assistant Alex, sorry, uh, coach, sorry Alex Rebel will instead take the lead in the dugout. Um, whilst I know the EFL Trophy is bottom of most clubs' priorities, uh, and Steve Jar now out of that competition, um, you know what are our thoughts here on this? Should this be allowed?
3: I I get it. I I sort of I I get that uh, the, the EFL Trophy is not really in terms of what sort of the early rounds. It's not of. Of importance to to the club i think running the FA cup uh' is a bit more vital for for clubs particularly sort of in, in league one um so i do get it it does slightly undermine sort of the Efl trophy in that um it's a chance to get to Wembley uh, and when sort of your own manager uh is not wanted to be there how does that encourage fans also uh, you know it's so it's going to discourage fans to be there yeah. as well you know because i think if their managers not not wanted to turn up the should the fans turn up, so then sort of it, it might not motivate, might not motivate the team, and sort of uh, you know something like that. But I do get it in terms of um, the priority in terms of FA Cup over EFL Trophy.
1: I think it's just because we're out. Like you look at that, we're we're out. We're playing an under twenty one side. It's not like we're playing another League One side where we could see maybe playing them there in the season, see how they play. We're playing a side where to play again this season. We're playing against a bunch of kids, basically. I'd rather him go out and and and, and scalp Burton for Port Vale and and see who's going to win that tie to see if we can beat them in a couple of weeks in the in the in the FA Cup and then go and get a big tie th- in the third round like we did last year with Villa. Um, I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine with it because because Revs and and, and are uh Warner, that's his name, uh, but Evans and and and, and uh, yeah, Evans knows his his, his team will, will get the job done because. He's helped them through a lot, so.
0: Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if someone at a higher level took this approach. I mean, imagine, imagine United go out of the Champions League and 10 just spins off the last Champions League game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, been off. Right? I wanna, bit off. I'm gonna go and watch. Uh, I'm gonna go and watch a game in the FA Cup between uh, I don't know Reading and and uh, Burton to see who we play in round three. Yeah, why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, is there? Like, have I imagined this? Uh, maybe they've scrapped it and the competition oh. changed every thirty seconds, but. Isn't there rules about there has to be a certain number of players from the squads from the previous yeah. match that have to be there has to be, has to be has to be six six players from
2: your previous league game in the 17, 18 man squad for your Papa John's whatever
0: game. You'd, be, you'd be you'd be pissed off you're one of those six players wouldn't you your managers oh yeah
1: <laughs> yeah well I think they'll be put on the bench just don't play I think I think we'll be quite changed tomorrow yeah definitely yeah I think
2: Twenty five thousand pound fine, I think, if you don't if you don't do that.
0: Uh, it'd be interesting to see if there is any sort of fine for sort of taking the competition to any sort of disrepute. Um,
3: certainly not one that
0: will be welcoming, but yeah, interesting to see if it's. Worth, I've seen. Uh,
3: sorry, I've I've seen like uh, similar but different in terms of uh, I know Barnsley last season. Uh, Michael Duff, uh, our, our old head coach, sort of sat in the stands for the game, so he was present, but he wasn't sort of actively managing. Um, instead of all of our EFL trophy games were left to his assistant um, in that sort of uh, I think the manager used it as, as an opportunity to sort of sit back and, and have a look at his players from an external point of view and not necessarily hands-on. Um, so he, he was in the stadium just wasn't necessarily managing as such uh, but I imagine sort of throughout the week you know in training he would have been pretty involved but in terms of the match day uh, and you know the touchline it was all down to our assistant. Uh, so I guess it's a similar but different sort of aspect in that uh, Steve Evans has, has openly said as well that he's just not not going to be there. The fact maybe, had, had he done it and sort of not, not said anything, maybe we wouldn't be talking about it right now. You know, maybe it, it, people wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be made as big of a deal. But now the fact that he's sort of openly come out and, and said it or, or it has been said, um, I guess sort of, does pose that question, you know how, how committed is he? But I, I have seen a similar sort of thing uh, with with Barnsley last season.
1: Yeah, I I think what you're saying with 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 um your, with Barnsley is that it's also a good way to get your assistant, especially if he's not had a proper job in management before. Good chance for your managers to see how he reacts. Um, especially like for example, let's just say because Everton always does this, get sent off for example, and he can't be in the touchline for a game, right? It show it gives that chance that he knows that if he's not there, or if he gets ill or something and he can't be at the ground, like like when it was COVID and people got COVID, that they can trust their 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 uh, staff to get the job done. It's a good way of testing it.
3: Would, would that be would that be your oh would that be your sort of uh, look at this whole Steve Evans situation? Yeah, um... it's, I
1: think it's a, it, a little bit yeah. But it's a bit different because Rev has been manager of, of Steve News before um, for about a year and a half. So it's a bit different to somebody who's probably never been a management before, but yeah.
3: What would you say, are we?
0: Um I mean, no one, no one, no one really cares right in this competition. Like, I, th- I think like, that is the, the crux of it, isn't it? And like you say, had it just been done without being mentioned anywhere, I don't know if anyone would really, really even notice, let alone cared. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I totally see the merits in it. And I think that it's, it's absolutely the right decision for seeming as a football club um whether ethically it's the right thing to be doing with what is um, a first team competition i don't know but again you know when you're being asked to play you get the number of games that the clubs are and and you're going to prioritize competitions it's it's going to happen isn't it i guess i guess it's no different to you know like we said dropping players and playing the youth side and things like that so yeah i I think there's, there's, there's definitely positives to come from it and i can see why um why that decision has been
3: made, but yeah, just just interesting to make it public. Yeah, yeah, and sort of to to play a devil's advocate, I guess. Do do you not think it, it could demotivate the players? Think you know that the the manager's not not present to sort of impress.
0: Yeah, I think that's. I think there's always a risk of that. I think you know, ultimately, we look at these competitions as fans, don't we, and think, well, if we're not going to see the first team, then perhaps those players who are trying to break into that squad are looking upon that as a chance to impress and, and get involved, but. Um, uh, Evan strikes me as very much someone who the players will know their position in the squad as it is. Um, I don't think many players will be going into that game expecting that if they score a hat trick they'll suddenly be starting at the weekend. I think people know he's got his he's got his squad, um, and th- th- ultimately for him the way you break into that is by standing out consistently on the training pitch and showing that you know what you can offer him is beyond more than a ninety minute performance. Okay, well, another topic worth discussing this week is that we have yet another international break this weekend, um, and one that sees just two League One games going ahead. Those are Blackpool versus Shrewsbury and Stevenage, yes, them again, uh, versus versus Lincoln, uh, the only games to survive. My big question is, should we just have an international break like the Championship do? I just wonder, you know, is it an advantage to sides like Stevenage who have now played during all three international breaks and therefore... You know, by the end of this game game week, they're going to play two more games than most other sides in that top seven. And, you know, they're probably less likely to have a fixture pile up through the winter just purely through the fact that they've not had international players leaving. You know, does it not seem fairer to kind of level the playing field? I uh, I think
2: I'd rather have, from Stevenage's point of view, I'd rather have points on the board than games in hand, just purely because of fixture congestion, injuries, suspensions, they all pile up around the Christmas period um but in terms of having an international break for league one i'm pretty sure i would be confident in saying in the next two years i'm pretty sure it will just become the norm that all 12 games are just called off like the championship the amount of loanies that come in now from premier league clubs championship clubs that are in under 21s for wales um, ireland countries like that when they will get called up um they're becoming more prominent um i'll use port Vale as an example because they're not the biggest of clubs. No offense, Paul Bell fans. Please don't hurt me. Um, they've got two <laughs> under-20 England players in their team, Alfie Devine and uh, Daniel Arblaster. And, I th- I, yeah, I think it's coming that we're going to have an international break in League. And I wouldn't be surprised if League 2 was far behind because they'll probably get the under-18s and the 19s that are going to get called up by these nations.
1: Yeah, I think you see that sometimes with, with, with squads, a lot of them, like... I know it's his League 2, right? And it's just uh, League 2 guys too. But you look at Swindon. They've had to agree with the national team to keep a player because they're running out of players to have in their side. That's ridiculous. But it shows that now, a lot of those sort of smaller sides are picking up players from national teams. As so You look at Stevenage and Stevenage, for example, right? Luther World and Chance McEwen. Yes, they haven't played for the national teams in a while, but they have sent Guyana and Antigua and... is that our... And and Barbados, was it? Well, of course it's cool. but um, but yeah, they represent two national teams. Obviously, are quite small. I think a lot of teams are starting to have that sort of thing where they have got uh, English players that are playing for countries maybe of their parents' birth or their residence, and now they're playing for them, and that means that they won't be able to play during the weekend. Because I wouldn't be surprised if we is a national break, and Vanquiten and and turns for turns Vanquiten and and Luther in. Do have a, a weekend where they're free from Stevenage? They probably will play at the national sides again. There's probably a reason why they aren't playing at the moment, it's because they're more committed to Stevenage.
3: I, I sort of, having uh, been a resident, uh, well, up and down in League One over the over sort of the past few years, uh, I find this very fascinating in terms of um, sort of when it comes to the international break. Because I, I remember when, when we first came into League One, um, there were maybe one or two players across the whole league. That had an international call up, but none of, not enough to warrant uh, a sort of fixture postponement. You mentioned there, Ollie, that we will this this game week. Uh, we have only seen two League One fixtures. You know that sort of transition is incredible. Um, sort of from 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 when we were first in League One, which was about 2015 16. So not even that long ago. You know, less less than 10 years ago. I do think um, it is it is an issue, and I, and I think uh, I, I sort of has already been said. It won't be long uh, until um, the League One ha- have a, an international break. Sort of have a break in, in, the, national peri- in, in, in the international period. If I could just get the teeth out, uh, it won't be long until until there is a break. Uh, you know, a proper sort of uh, break from the fixtures. Um, it is a little bit disappointing though because when an international break comes round. Um, you do sort of think, you know, oh, but I can still watch League One and League Two football. You know that that is a chance for for some for some of the the, the, the supporters of, of, of bigger clubs, perhaps in the Premier League or Championship, to you know watch a, a game of League One football, uh, to watch a League League Two game of football. You know, um, but they're not going to be able to have that opportunity. And you do know that um, when when you know there are international fixtures on it gives uh the clubs in league one league two sort of a chance to go on sky i, I remember a few years ago um across uh you know the two-week international break from the premier league and championship barnesley were on sky um twice in in that fortnight and you know the amount of sort of publicity we got in a week as a club we got money as well for being on sky um which sort of then gets generated back in in you know into the development of the club. So it is a shame that, you know, clubs, uh, well, they'll not be shown on Sky because there's no games to show. Um, and in particular as well, a, a recent one, uh, obviously Barnsley played at Derby, it was only uh, last weekend, it was only after the game where they the, the club announced that John Russell and Devante Cole had been called up to Jamaica. Uh, so that was like uh, 6, 7 o'clock on the Saturday. And then about 10 minutes later, they announced that our game against Carlisle the next Saturday had been postponed, so that's obviously a week's notice as well. So you think of of Carlisle to Barnsley; it's a long way for for visiting spotters who've who've already made travels, uh, you know, already made plans for travel, plans for hotel, uh, stopping over, and and, and it's all coming off with with a, with a week's notice.
1: And that will oh, be agree. a Tuesday night now as well. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I I don't know if it's a Completely not league one related, but in terms of international breaks, there's I think there's too many. We've had three and it's only November. The, the Premier League teams have played, what, 11, 12 games? We had an international break in September after they played about two games. We had one in October and one in November. I just feel there's too many breaks. Just play the internationals, I don't know, potentially in a in a block, in a three-week block, play them six games, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and then that's your six games done, potentially in, I don't know, March, when we have another international break. So play the six play the six games in a three-week period
1: in March or something like that. Can yeah, been...
0: you not loving the chance to watch England-Malta? <laughs> oh,
3: my God.
1: That's it, the but... one England that I've been to and it was boring as hell. I went to
3: Wembley to watch that and it was boring. I, said, in, oh, in I, can't, it, I can't get excited. In terms of League One, though, sort of, uh, Ollie mentioned earlier that, that Stevenage out are sort of uh, one of the few sides that have played in every international break. That's surely an, an advantage to Stevenage because uh, the postponements of the other games, uh, as Sam mentioned, they're most likely going to be Tuesday night. So, as you come to sort of the end of the season, you've got more fixture congestion, more likelihood of injury, you know, more key players likely to be out. Then it's, it just sort of builds up uh, and momentum in, in the club can go, um, you know. So, I think I think, uh, and I are at, actually at an advantage in terms of you have got the chance to to get the points on board while the fixtures are not sort of piled together as they would be uh, for, for teams that have had games postponed.
1: Yeah, because I think we have one person going on to us duty, and that's Heggy. And he's a backup keeper for us. So it doesn't really matter, really, to be honest, unless HB Hammond gets injured, but let's hope not. Um but yeah, I think I think you're saying I think the games that are getting called off now, they'll have to be a Tuesday night. And unless I think that one of those games might get put on the Saturday for the FA Cup, for the FA Cup weekend, if both teams are out. But other than that, it's a Tuesday night. Especially for Carlisle fans, but that's to Carlisle to Barnsley. That must be what over six hundred short trips. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, over, over yeah. six hundred miles. I think, uh, sort of, sort of both ways. It's, it's horrendous, and especially uh, recently, with 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 only a week's notice as well. But I think surely both clubs and the EFL could have seen this coming. Um, so surely, sort of plans could have been put in place. Fans could have been made aware of of have it been, you know, a possibility. Uh, rather than just announcing a week before uh, that the game was going to be postponed.
2: Yeah, yeah the, the, the
3: FAs, though, don't really care about lower league fans, do they? If this
2: was Premier League clubs and then they'd everything planned out. Uh, it
0: is, well, it, yeah. <laughs> I guess we should finish by touching on the vacant managerial positions at um, Oxford and Bristol Rovers and some breaking news as we've been recording is that Lincoln have appointed their new manager. Um, massive brownie points for anyone who gets this before today. Uh, they've appointed Michael Scubala, who is has got quite the CV. Uh, a former England under-20s manager. Uh, he's been an England futsal head coach and technical director. He's been the under-21s head coach at Leeds. And then last season, I've had his only three um, senior appearances as a, ma- as a manager, um, as caretaker manager for Leeds. Um, in last season. So interesting appointment. Um not one that I can say I saw coming, um, uh, and one that I've quickly had to Wikipedia as we've been recording. Anyone know anything of him?
1: Not really. I, I no, saw he's no. also early in his career he was um manager of the England universities team as well. So it's a bit of a weird background um for for a manager, but to be honest I like that. I, I do like that managers it's not just going from the traditional backgrounds. Um of players and of, of maybe being an ex player or someone that's that, that's gone through the system um it's someone who, who's gone from a system where he's not really had much and i think i had i think it was a pe teacher whilst coaching and then he's now a manager of a of a league one club that's in the top 12 right so to him for people like me and, and people like people who love this as as something a dream maybe at one point to to be a, a coach to drink untrue and, and it shows that you can do it i i he look from his stuff he looks like he'd be a good manager so i i'm really interested to see how he does
2: yeah oh, i would trust lincoln to get it mostly right as well their recent history of employee managers danny cowley michael Appleton, mark kennedy have been relatively good successes um yeah so i i think it's good that somebody's taking a chance on someone as well a young up and coming coach i think it's it's nice to see that they're getting opportunities to take managerial roles and fair play to Lincoln. I, I, I like Lincoln, so I, I hope it works out for them.
0: Yeah, they, um, they, they were sort of fishing around in all sorts of places. They? I think, was it Des Buckingham from the Indian Super League mm. who has been the favourite all week? So clearly they're not averse to looking further ashore than sort of the regular sort of 10 managers that seem to do the rounds for every appointment. And well, like you said, they've had, Plenty of success of appointing people previously, so kind of no reason to doubt it. Really, is there from a Lincoln fan point of view?
3: It is, it is, it is massively sort of interesting in terms that he hasn't yet had a sort of a proper manage managerial position, albeit you know, except the, the caretaker at Leeds for for three games. So I guess it is a slight risk for Lincoln, in, you know, in terms of it, it be his first proper job. Um, I know uh, recently since it's been announced that. Uh, the chairman, uh, Clive Nates, has said in, in Michael Skibala, we believe we have achieved, uh, well, just that and see as a progressive appointment who shares the club's ethos on player development, style of play and ambition. I think uh, Lincoln fans will be happy to uh, have, a, have a change of style and sort of uh, way of playing. Uh, I think a few complaints over Martin Kennedy's uh, defensive display, shall we say.
2: Yeah, another thing yeah. he had. He, another thing from the Lincoln statement: he has worked with some of the most talented young players in the country, such as Rico Lewis, while he was in the England structure, as well as Archie Gray and Max
1: Kilman. Just dropping the no drops of England, because especially with yeah. like Rico. Did Rico Lewis be added into the England squad this day? So just yeah. it, it, it gives that sort of sprinkle of like, oh, he's done well with these players. See, so he does well with us. I think they'll do well because you got to say Lincoln what their tenth. People think that they're not yeah. they've you would think they. I thought they were like fourteen, fifteenth. I thought the they bounce.
2: were
1: a lot lower. Yeah. The other one, oh, sorry, they're ninth. But like Joey, if they put a bit of run on, they're in the playoffs. But like they're up in the playoff structure. So you don't know. People thought this would be a, a bit of a, a mid-table season for Lincoln. If they can go on a bit of a managerial bounce with 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 this new coach, they could they could get in that playoff structure, which would be quite good for them.
0: Excellent stuff. Well, two other teams, as we say, who are also uh, on the hunt for new gaffers is uh, Oxford. And Bristol Rovers, both attractive jobs that I'm sure will have had plenty of suitors. Um have we heard of any progress for any of them appointing a new boss? I, I think know the Oxford
2: a- manager got yeah. suspended today. Um the the favourite was I think that one was Des Buckingham. Um like Luke, I, Luke
0: Williams, there? I think was, uh, uh, Luke Williams,
2: yeah. Um yeah. Des Buckingham's Bristol Rovers. Um I think Luke Williams is the perfect man. For Oxford United. He plays the football they're gonna to want to play, but it's a humongous loss if it is to Notts County. But Ruben Rodriguez will be buzzing if he yeah. goes back
0: to Oxford. Didn't he say something in like quite as much interview this like this weekend that's like, like, and talks Yeah well. after the game. I'm sure county fans yeah. will love him for.
2: Yeah, there's his interview done. Ruben Rodriguez, <laughs> right, We have made an approach for um Luke Williams. What's he like? Oh, brilliant, brilliant boss, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's-
0: uh, you know, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because from an outside perspective, everyone would have looked at the job he's been doing at Notts County and said, you know, fantastic job and, and he's obviously well-placed to, to bring them into the one potentially next season. And you kind of would look at that and go, well, why would you go anywhere else? But Oxford does feel like the right sort of step up, doesn't it? And like you say, mm-hmm. the, the style, the styles of play seem to mesh nicely. It's kind of one of those where perfect opportunity, opportunity at probably the wrong time where he doesn't want to leave Notts County. But, yeah. you know, you've, you've got, you've got... When these chances come up, you've got to do it, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because you you look at it right, not to count in Oxford sort of play the same aggressive attacking play. You're going to go from near top of League Two to near top of League One. You're going to go from probably trying to go promotion to League One, maybe play League One football next year, to probably playing Championship football next year if they, if they're going the way they are right now. So, it, in my opinion, it, it's it's going to be the right step for him. It will leave Notts County high and dry. They'll be in the same magician was Oxford United were two weeks ago. If this does go through or last week, so if this does go through, so that'll be more for the League Two guys to discuss. But um, yeah, I think it'll be a great point for Luke Williams. I, I've watched in the last couple of years, and it's, it's just a great point for Knox County. And yeah, he brought him up back to football league for the first time in a, in a couple of years. So um, I rate him, and and I well done to him because he's done. It, I would love him for him to come to League One and start
3: doing a really good job there because I rate him as a coach. I think this 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 also does sort of ease any any nerves or worries perhaps Oxford fans had in terms of the new manager that coming he disrupt you know uh manning's sort of style of play that that has worked so far this season and i think in in Williams they've got a, a solid replacement who um they should they should sort of maintain their their position in the league if you like. Mm-hmm. Well, we shall see what happens I think there. Was, that one, I'm sure County fans will be desperately hoping that we
0: were wrong there uh, and it'll commit to them and not jump ship. Um, Bristol Rovers then, I think Carl Robinson might be favourite for that.
2: Yeah, he's been a name out yeah. He would probably suit Bristol Rovers after Joey Barton. Um, <laughs> I'd say they're similar, similar, star, similar styles of play. Um, and attitude. Uh, and it, attitude, yeah. <laughs> Except he doesn't get arrested. That's the only <laughs> difference. Um, yeah. But he's an, he's an experienced League One manager with a proven track record really of getting top half sort of finishes. Um I think it makes sense for a club at Bristol Rovers if you've got Chris Martin up front, you've got can have um, Aaron Collins off him, um, Jack Vale and I can't um Gareth Evans on the other on the other flank. So I, I think they've got the players to suit a Carl Robinson's double team. Um
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's another one of those sorts of jobs whereby names don't leap off a page straight away, and you're kind of chomping through, thinking, well, you know, who's around that is going to do much in that role? Has he? Has he? Has he been assistant? Well, getting this wrong? Has he been assistant at Leeds at the minute? Is that? Is that what he was
2: assistant at Leeds under Allardyce.
0: Um, right, that's
2: right. And he it, Was it Oxford before, and then yeah. was M K Don's before that? If
0: I'm, I think. Oh, yeah, it was I think Dons, he was at Charlton as well. Was it Charlton? At, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was MK Dons for a long, long time. Um, I think then went to Charlton and then he had, a, you know, a good, like, a good four or five years at Oxford as well. So, like you say, he's been been around the, and, and consistently been with sides that are sort of up there pressing playoffs and, and looking for promotions. And I guess Bristol Rovers would be a side that would see themselves as wanting to be in the, in, in that kind of upper echelon to the table. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I wouldn't be against that as an appointment. And a, nice to have an interesting character back in management as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but what, you, what the thing is, though, is that there is so many jobs out there, right, that especially at the moment with a lot of lot of managers under fire, that someone out of complete out of nowhere, like you said, this this one with Skabala for Lincoln, no one thought of him before today, right? It's a brilliant opportunity for managers, like, I think it was Buckingham, the one who was linked with the job before, the one from being in the Super League, for someone like that, who's sort of in the wilderness to English fans that want to get into singleties and got up the leagues, it's a really, really good idea, and I I love it because these new managers are going to induce um induce so much energy into the division, into their teams. We want to see new English managers because we've been stuck with a with with, with your typicals, your Warlocks, your your like I said, your Robinsons um, for decades, and 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 I want to see new managers, and it and this will yeah, and like you said, McKenna's with with McKenna's with um Ipswich obviously went up last year so. We can get more like managers into this division, English ma- young managers. I'm really happy with that.
2: Yeah, I'm just quickly looking at the odds just to confirm Luke Williams is still the favorite for the Oxford with Des Buckingham second and Dean Holden third for Oxford. And then if we're looking at Bristol Rovers, um, Hol- Carl Robinson is still the favorite with Andy Mangan in second and Gary Monk third.
0: Gary I was going Mangan's Man- Man- done a right job, hasn't he? I think he's had four games in caretaker charge that they've won yeah. three of them and drawn the other. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They've, all, they've all been against side they side that you should yeah. be. What you can do is win the games you've got, right?
1: Gary Monk, that's a better left field. Yeah, a yeah.
0: bit of a throwback as well, yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember really who's a <laughs> Like
2: I remember you wasted all the money at Middlesbrough when they got relegated. Is, um, yeah.
0: is, 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 is this just, though, typical... English bookmaker odds, oh, where you know I I, I bet Alan Kurdi's still still in the sort of top <laughs> ten for jobs when they come out now. Just, just that same old tired list.
1: Especially when it's lower down the pyramid because they don't really know. Like no, they exactly. don't. So, yeah.
2: Now it'd be interesting. What um speaking of managers, Exeter City do, considering their old boss Matt Taylor was sacked today. Oh yeah, that'll be interesting. So that'll be that'll be one to watch
1: the it be a no, of, we, we think, league one to go up to Rotherham? I think so. I don't know. I was I, when I heard that one of them sacked um, Taylor, I was a bit worried about um, Evans because I know he loves that club. Um, let's hope not, but, but yeah,
0: yeah, I can't I can't, I can't see it. It's a, sorry, I'm gonna offend Rotherham fans hugely here. In its current state, it's a sideways move, isn't it? Obviously, they're a much bigger club, and he's got the history there. But right now, what, what's the point? You know, if, yeah. if, they, if, they, if they were if they were 13th, 14th in the championship, and he went in there thinking that he could potentially solidify him as a championship club, then potentially. But they've yo-yoed for the last six to eight years, haven't they? So, yeah, I can't see that being a hugely attractive job for someone that's doing good things at the minute. Exeter yeah, it's like you say it could be very interesting, but their result of the weekend getting thumped by Fleetwood is it, is not going to do much for Caldwell's chance of staying there, is it? No, no I, I know.
1: I know,
3: we, I know we spoke last week uh, about sort of uh, the risk that Caldwell uh, has in terms of his job. Uh, I know their game is is one of many postponed this Saturday, uh, and uh, sort of it'd be interesting to see what happens in, in that break uh, that they they have um in term, in terms of caldwell whether whether taylor will come back I, i'm not sure but um i guess the position of of caldwell is is one to watch out for yeah they've in the
0: last 10 games they've taken four points and scored four goals um they have been absolutely battered wherever they've gone and yeah when when you when you look at their fixtures and you then say okay well you know we're about to play a fleetwood who have not been fantastic. You'd be looking at that thinking, OK, well, maybe we can sneak a point away here and kind of get some momentum going. Um, Yeah, I think they, well, their next games, are, they, they go to Bolton away um in a couple of weeks' time. They've got Swindon in the EFL Trophy midweek, but obviously they won't, you know, won't, won't make a huge deal about. But, yeah, I think lose at Bolton handsomely. Um, I think he could yeah. be struggling, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah. yeah. Speak, speak. Speaking of Fleetwood, so I just, I don't know. If I bring this to people's attention. I don't know if they know this. Do you know Fleetwood have a sister club in? I think it's Abu Dhabi. Does anyone Can know I? that? Yeah, they no. have a sister club called Fleetwood United Abu Dhabi. I knew that a couple of years ago, but it came on my feed today because someone. I think it's Ben Pringle. Oh, uh, plays yes. for them now.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's now captain of a, a second tier Abu Dhabi club called Fleetwood United, and it's <laughs> it's linked with Fleetwood Town. I know it's a bit of a useless fact, but I just just find that quite funny, how Fleetwood have a sister club in Abu Dhabi. Bring
2: that up in a pub quiz next time.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, every day is a school day, as they say, and on that note, I think that's going to do it for us for another action packed week in League One. Thank you to listeners for joining us, and thanks as always to the lads for their views. Whatever your platform of choice for listening, please don't forget to give us a five-star review and follow and subscribe to make sure you don't miss a thing. We'll be back next Monday to review that tiny slate of fixtures and hopefully with of new managerial appointments and no doubt more talking points on the best third here in the world. Until then, have a great week and we'll see you next time.